0: Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all doing well in the world right now.
1: It's one of them days where I get to go second. Hello, it's Stu. <laughs> uh,
0: we've got no match this week, but worry not, we have got everybody's other favourite podcaster in the world. Mr David <laughs> Evans is back. Dave, how the devil are we?
2: I'm very good, thanks Andy. Thanks uh, once again for having me on.
0: Which I think you've become the go-to guy when it comes to the new Netflix films. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> Every time there's a new Netflix film we're going to discuss, we come straight to you. And obviously we're here to discuss Red Notice. Uh, released on November the 12th, so that will be a couple of weeks back for you folks. Right, so the whole premise of this film has pretty much been put onto the superstar trio that is headlining it. We've got Ryan Reynolds, we've got the great one himself, and we've got Gal Gadot. I mean, that's a hell of a stellar lineup, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to want superstars in a film, you couldn't ask for three bigger names in Hollywood today than that trio, could you?
1: No. I mean, they had me at Ryan Reynolds to start with. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, is just... Well, we'll we'll get into it, but he just plays himself anyway, so it doesn't really matter, regardless of what role role he's in. So, I, I knew kind of a basic idea of what it was about, but that was it. I didn't care. I knew I was going to watch this, and as soon as it started getting rave reviews i thought really and point proved
0: yeah dave obviously you're also a big wrestling fan so anything with the rocking you're there day one i assume as well oh
2: oh yeah definitely if it's if it's got dwayne in it you've got to go watch it mean you? it could be the crappiest film in the world but you know i think we you you've discussed this before it gets elevated slightly, because uh, yeah. the Great One's in it. So I was all Just for this. his mere
0: presence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so in this movie, uh, Rocky plays an FBI agent who has to team up with Ryan Reynolds in order to reunite the three eggs of Cleopatra in order to clear his name after Gal Gadot has set him up. Um, so, yeah, as i said, the film is pretty much exclusively sold on those three stars. But I think that does a disservice to the director, Rawson Marshall Thurber. Now, it's not a name that immediately springs to mind his work, but when I looked on IMDb, he's worked with The Rock previously on Skyscraper and Central Intelligence, two films that are decent films, to be honest. They're, they're quite good fun. And he's also got a couple of wins in having done Dodgeball and *With the Millers. So like he he's got a okay. decent record there of doing really good, fun movies, but it's not a name that I think is all that well known, to be perfectly honest. Especially with a name like that as well. Yeah, it sort <laughs> of sticks out a bit, yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Skyscraper was massively underrated
0: as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed that.
2: I never realised oh, that it? about Dodgeball as well. Dodgeball's great.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, Dodgeball, I went into that film expecting the dirt worst. I, we've spoke on this podcast before. I am not a Vince Vaughn fan. So I went in with very low expectations. And it ended up being a really good, fun movie with some really great performances from the whole cast. So, yes, yeah, a wonderful movie. Same with We Are The Millers. I'm not a fan, really, of many of the Friends actors outside of Friends. So I didn't think I was going to enjoy that movie, and ended up really loving it. Apparently, there is a sequel on the way for with the Millers as well, due out in twenty twenty three, I believe. So that should be interesting to see. So, start it off then, Stu. What did you think of the film, Open Floor? <laughs> wonderful,
1: just <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> it's, it they could have just called it National Treasure Three. <laughs> and it would have been. <laughs> so after the first 20 minutes, I thought, this has got the same kind of vibe. It's got the same kind of funny kind of. like the, the score had that kind of upbeat. You know what I mean? That, it's like an upbeat kind of tempo to it, but it's all cheeky at the same time. <laughs> and it knows exactly what it is. I mean, there's been many times on either world I've said films that know exactly what they are mm. and don't try to be anything else are the best types for me. And that's
0: exactly what this was from start to finish. It, it is a bit of, a, it's like an old school B movie. It's, it's a genre pick of the, well, it, it feels like it's a little bit of a mix between the heist movie and your Indiana Jones adventure sort of one. To, it was a little bit of a, a mashup, but it did have that that knowing look to the camera on occasion. I felt like, you are right, I do think they knew what they were doing with it. And really played into the the tropes and the stereotypes of the genre. I, I thought that was quite a, an interesting way to do it. Dave, what about yourself?
2: Yeah, I think I think Stu's stolen the words out of my mouth in terms of national treasure for something I'm gonna say <laughs> later on. But I think that was bang on. I think I think Stu's bang on in terms of it knows what the type of film it is. It's not trying to be anything else. It's what I like to call fun and fine. It's it's a you know, it's a decent fine film, it's really fun. I had as I was watching it, I did have two niggly issues with it, which I think felt one of them was saved near the end, if we do any kind of spoilers later on. Um, but I can talk about the other one later on. But as a film, of what it represents, it was just a, a fun adventure romp, as I say. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think what we'll do, if we'll keep it spoiler free, yeah. and then at the end we'll do like maybe a little bit of a spoiler just to talk about a couple of the issues that I had as well, to be honest, once we hit that, that area of it. Um, but obviously, we'll let the listener know before we get too spoilery. <laughs> that's That's fair. Stu, <laughs> so you said you like Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I kind of feel a little bit tired of his shtick, because I think he's a very good actor, and I think yeah. he's capable of more than just Deadpool, which he's basically what he's kind of become. He's still playing the same character he was in Two Guys, A Girl, and A Pizza Place way, way back when, if you remember that one. Dave, are you a bit tired of Reynolds' um, whole thing you now?
2: That that was my one of two issues, the only thing I had at the end. As I got to the end of it, I just kind of felt like, like you know, I like Ryan Reynolds, I like the humour that he's got. And you can very much see that in the film with two or three of the really, really good gags. Um, and I think obviously a lot of that has come from how successful Deadpool's been as well. But there's a there's mm-hmm. kind of times in the film I was watching it going, you know, I'd like to see Ryan Reynolds just do something completely different. I'd like to see him do a film where his act, he, he stretches his acting chops a bit rather than just being Ryan Reynolds in every yeah. film. Um, that was my only kind of issue at the end of it. I just felt like, like you kind of mentioned, that it just felt like he was playing the same Actor from the other films. There was times when I was watching it, I just kind of felt like they when they pitched the film, they just said we want the we want Dwayne Johnson's character and Ryan Reynolds' character in Hobson Shaw. We want them in a different film. Mm, Yeah. And that's how it felt at times, which wasn't so much of an issue, but there was at times I was like, Can we just see just something a bit different? Yeah. Mm.
1: But that's exactly why I liked it as well. (laughs) And like I say, you put the whole thing of playing to the audience and knowing what it is, and I've, I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this before about Amity, Amityville Horror and how good he is in that. Yeah, yeah. When he so he can do it, and strangely enough, there was the um the, the press conference that they had, well, in a sit down interview with, with uh, Wrexham TV with him and um, mm. Rob Mcilenny, and he's yeah, actually yeah. talking, and he's not being his usual self, and he's just being natural. And he's almost like a completely different person when he's not on it. And it's like, okay, so you can you can clearly do this, but the people want this Ryan Reynolds. And I think the reaction to this film has shown that the people want this. So while it's yeah. while it's while it's still not too much, just rinse it for as much as it's worth.
2: It was yeah, it was yeah. it was strange seeing that interview, Stu, where Ryan Reynolds is just the most calmest person in the world opposite Rob. Who is a who? Big almost in that interview became a typical football fan. You could tell he goes from one extreme to the other. And Ryan Reynolds (laughs) like, no, it's fine. I'm the same one here. Just calm down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, in fairness, if we'd have got a complete different type of Ryan Reynolds, it wouldn't have worked in this Mm, movie. If we got like Ryan Reynolds from Amityville or Buried or The Voices, it would have been completely tonally incorrect here. So he needed to play to his strengths. So that is fine. I think it's just more of a wider issue that I, I think he's got the ability to do something great. And he's teased it, but he hasn't really given us the uh, the whole nine yards with it, I think, personally. I just don't think he cares. Well, think no, because it... he obviously makes money doing yep. what he's doing. So you can't argue with it, really, can you? Yeah, he's, he, he looks like, well, you can
1: imagine he's having a great old time doing it as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. this looked like fun, and you could kind of tell that the three of them, they looked like they had a blast. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't always necessarily translate on screen. Sometimes if they're having fun, the audience probably isn't. But I get the impression with this one that they, they absolutely did. That's obviously the other one that we want to talk about is The Rock, who kind of plays into his more jumanji-esque stereotype being the big muscle head who'll run through walls almost quite literally in points in this (laughs) movie um but he's another one who i think he's got quite a bit of range who we could probably get more of a performance out of going forward like i I could genuinely see him doing something a little bit like how dave batista has tried to diversify and do a little bit of everything i think we could see that from the rock in the future would would you agree with that one, Dave?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's the only other thing that came out as well is I'd like to see Dwayne. I always find it strange that we have to officially call him Dwayne now. I think he's got to that point, isn't he, where you can call him Dwayne. I'd like to see him doing just something completely different. Like I was trying to think back of a lot of the films he's been in, and what films has he has he varied that style? Because I kind of felt like with this one was as much as I enjoyed it, I kind of felt like I saw the same performance in other bits as well. And mm. I'd love to see The Rock do something completely different. This is I don't know if anyone saw the interview we did with James Corden. Yes, it was James Corden, but I don't know if anyone saw that. And I think James Corden asked him a question about, you know, you, you've kind of achieved everything, so what's next? And he didn't really give an answer. And there was a mm. part of it that does wonder from an acting point of view, what does he want to achieve? Does he know where his place is in a sense, and he knows what he's good at, so he'll just keep doing this? Or will he try and do something that is completely unlike him to an audience that is like a David Batista kind of performance? Mm. And I think if he does something like that, I think we're going to see someone who could really excel going forward. But I think if he stays in this kind of mold, he, he can just rake in the money and, and do these similar types of films forever.
1: Yeah. It it could be until his body gives up or he gets too old to do this kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he might have like a, a late life renaissance or something else. But I, I did like the kind of the little kind of dig at the start when he says, you're not whatever, you're not an art, art investigator or whatever it was. <laughs> the absolute size of him when, when he starts yeah. walking through that, that gallery. And I thought, well, yeah,
0: because you wouldn't have someone like this doing that job would yeah. you. <laughs> I thought the the opening sequence where they were in Rome running through the art gallery and then through the streets of Rome I thought it was such a wonderful opening yeah. to this movie completely took me by surprise I thought it was going to be a bit more slow paced and then build to crescendo but it started out at like 60 miles an hour it hit the mm. ground running i thought it, i thought it was beautifully shot i thought the whole color palette was just really vibrant and it was very enticing, and it immediately drew you into that world. I felt, yeah. And it,
1: the set pieces, well, like the scaffolding scene, mm. that was it. That was superbly well done.
0: Yeah, it was. I, I did laugh at the the bit where they, where Ryan Reynolds jumps off onto that little hut thing, bounces off the canvas, <laughs> and gets and runs, and then you just see the rock go crashing <laughs> yeah. through it. You, you, knew it yeah. you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen as well. Absolutely, it was signposted, but it really got me giggling I oh, thought, it was yeah. brilliant.
2: Even that bit when The Rock gets in the flashy car, and he's like, right, I'm going to go for it, and he just gets that, you know, that bus go, bush goes straight into his car straight away, oh that was good. And there was that bit in, in near the final act as well, where I kind of felt like there was a bit of an homage to Indiana Jones at one point.
0: Yes the scene in the jeep.
2: Yes which I thought yes, was which I thought was really a really nice touch.
0: I mean that does lead me onto one of my few criticisms of the film. It did feel like it jumped about a little bit too much. Mm. Like we were going quite nicely along this uh, art heist movie then all of a sudden it takes a complete left turn and it's a Nazi gold story. It, it felt a little bit out of nowhere. Like we did a complete, we didn't a, a U-turn. And I was like, oh, okay, right. That took me a minute to, to cash up. Am I only anyone who thought that it was possibly a little bit too over all over the place with that sort of, that element to it?
2: I think when, when, when I watched it and it went to that bit, I did think someone just went, uh, let's just do Indiana Jones. Let's just do that. Yeah. Let's finish it off like that. I mean, I didn't mind it in the end. I think, I think it's still slightly tied into the story of the three eggs. But I think, especially with that bit with the jeep near the end, I was like, they they've just started to go full Indiana Jones here.
1: Yeah, it was. It was almost like because they had the third egg that early in the film that they mm. needed an extra half hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's. It seemed like that, and where else would there be a whole collection of Nazi gold? than in an old mine underground. But I know I know exactly what you mean, because it just feels completely out of place, and it's never been mentioned throughout the whole film about Nazi gold before then.
0: Yeah, so, it, there's a little bit of whiplash there. I was yeah. just like, oh, okay, right, so that's where we're going next. But it did feel like they were trying to hit all of The Rock's greatest films, I felt. <laughs> it started off very Fast and Furious-esque, and then we went a little bit Jumanji, and then all of a sudden it was The Scorpion King. oh shit right okay it was like they want the fans of the rock to really appreciate what's going on and to be honest i absolutely did it was it was right up my alley so whilst it was mostly fun hoist nonsense throughout it one of the things that did bug me it ended up just being an advertisement for aviation gin and terramon (laughs) tequila they did get bottles of their own stuff out of nowhere what the hell are you doing lads
2: I bet if you watched it carefully, there would be a and reference in there somewhere. There'd be like a crest in the background or something. Oh,
0: there's got to be, hasn't there? <laughs> Definitely. They, they did, like, yeah, there was, there was that knowing wink, as Stu said. They knew what they were doing and played to it at times, I feel. So, towards the end, and, and now, Dave, this might be your criticism of the film. This is a spoiler alert. I will put a time code in the... Uh, in the podcast description, where to jump to. We're going to get a little bit spoilery at this point. Just leave a gap so they know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so spoilers from here on in. At the end of the film, when it turns out that The Rock was actually the bad guy all along and was in cahoots with Gal Gadot, was that heel turn earned? Did the story make sense up to that point, or was it a bit like the Indiana Jones element where it was just, we've painted ourselves into a corner, no what? It did feel a little bit like they just needed to eat up a little bit more time, maybe. Am I the anyone thinking that, or what do you pair think?
1: I loved it. I thought it was really clever.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I, I actually quite liked <laughs> that twist.
1: Yeah, especially when they, when they went back and... I don't really like that kind of thing, but obviously because I'm so stupid, I don't I don't notice anything anyway throughout the film until I see it the second time. I liked how they put the clips in again mm. when the when the big reveals happened, and then you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh of course, it's been it's been hiding in plain sight all along. I thought it was really cleverly. I, th- I thought it was really well done.
2: It was it was a twist I didn't see coming actually, and I was pleasantly surprised when it happened. Like Stu said, when those clips came on, and then you. Reframe what you've just watched. You go, oh yeah, actually, it does make sense. I think my, my criticism was up until that point watching the film. I had this thing in my mind when I was watching it about uh, Dwayne and Ryan doing the same type of role. But when mm. the rock on it, twi- when, when it when the twist was there, it almost redeemed that feature in the sense that he had become the bad guy. And I thought mm. actually that's that's quite fine now. But yeah, I I, I actually I quite like that twist. I I didn't have an issue with it.
0: Oh, that's fair. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I saw it coming, which might be why I'm a little bit annoyed, because I normally <laughs> see these things. So it did bug me a little bit.
2: And I think that's uh, a another... so- uh, sorry, and I think that's a sign of a good thing, that no one saw it coming. A lot of times in films, you can just, in the first like scene, you just know someone said something, you go, yep, yeah, mm. they're the wrong good. But I think it was good that you couldn't see it coming.
0: I suppose it's because it played on, because of what we know of Dwayne Johnson, the rumour that he had issues on set on fast and furious because he couldn't be seen to be losing a fight. And actually in this, you saw him lose a fight. It did play with your perception of the star, like you didn't necessarily, the things that you see in that you wouldn't necessarily associate with the rock from his more social stories about the Mm. guy. So in retrospect, that is quite a good thing that they did is they played around with it and it, it did twist you up, like I, I didn't see it coming, and I, it is a, a mark of a, a good, a good twist, I suppose. Well, while
1: you, while you are mentioning that the Vin Diesel reference. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I did enjoy that. The um, his audition for cats. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Especially after coming. Well, when was this made? A bit couple of years ago, maybe a let- Tarted up a bit last year. Yeah. And now you got that thing last week of him trying the olive branch out. And I thought,
0: hmm.
1: (laughs) I I wonder (laughs) if that's still the case now after he sees this.
0: That was quite a weird olive branch that uh, Vin Diesel. I'm just going to see if I can try and find it. Um, Because he calls him, is it son or little brother or something like that? It's like quite a demeaning thing that he said, especially when the rock is twice the size of Vin Diesel.
2: It's like he had it's to he had to extend extend the olive branch without it looking like he was extending the olive branch. He had to say face by doing it in some ways. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He was trying to come down without coming down, wasn't <laughs> yeah. he? This is it, my little brother Dwayne. The the time has come. My little brother Dwayne. <laughs> look, rock's like six foot five and three hundred pounds. There is nothing little about him. It's just incredible. I do hope he returns for Fast 7 because Fast 9 suffered without him really badly, I thought. As we've discussed on this very podcast, haven't we, Joe?
1: (laughs) Although that that extra six minutes might save everything.
0: Oh, God, yes, the director's cut. I will watch it because, yeah, yeah, it it needs to be I've ordered it (laughs) already. I'll get into it next week. Fantastic. Uh, one of the questions that I've got about this film, and it's not from me, it's from other half Katie. She was fixated on, you know, the scene where they're in, was it Sotavoce, the Russian bad guy whom they're stealing the third egg from? Sotavoce, I believe his name was. When they're in his mansion trying to pull the heist, they had to go into a bathroom to pick up a bag to then sneak into the vault. How did they get that bag in the toilet? <laughs> it, it really bugged her, which in turn really bugs me, because now that's all I could focus on was, where did that bag come from? It was a little bit magic out of nowhere.
1: I never even thought about it. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah.
0: I didn't, but it's one of those things that when someone points it out, I was like, hang on, that's that's quite frustrating.
1: <laughs> it could, it, they could have just easily just put, sent someone in there on their behalf or see them in the... Like golden eye game star through the air ducts and stuff. And <laughs> uh, drop it in there. Just think
0: of it like that way. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the best way to do it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think overall, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I Some of the critical response, which I know we'll get on to, has been pretty negative. But I ended up coming out at the other side, having had an absolute whale of a time with it. It was big, it was stupid. It, I didn't go in expecting an Oscar-winning film, so when I wasn't given an Oscar-winning film, I was perfectly okay with it. What, what do you think, Dave? Were you, at, at, when the two hours were up, where were you on the, the scale?
2: I think, like I think, like you said, I enjoyed it. I think it was what it was. I think it very much felt like a Netflix film, as in because I know it was at, it was on at the cinema as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think if I'd come out, I think if I'd come out of it going to go to cinema. I may have been a bit like have I got my money's worth in some ways for the 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 the, the style of the film it just felt like to me it was best placed still on Netflix for what it was uh, but you know like I say it was it was a fun film that knew what it was trying to do had some great gags in it I've got there's two in particular if we get to it that I, I really laughed out loud when they happened but yeah it, you know I think it, it was good for what it was sure.
1: It's one of my favorite films of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and it it, it really—I mean, I, I put it on it, because so I thought I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to do this properly. I'm not going to be tired in any way. But I, I thought, well, I need to—I need to get it what up. So I didn't put it until ten o'clock, and I thought, well, I'm going to be—I'm going to be kind of trying to keep myself awake. But I was so wired at the end that <laughs> I ended up going to sleep draft <laughs> half one. It was—it was like Dave said, it was so stupid, but at the same time, it was really clever. Like the, mm. like the little bit about the. Um, where they jump through the wall and like the foreshadowing of just putting that little pebble underneath. Mm. I thought, well, he's yeah, just yeah. being an arsehole just trying to, oh, this is my contribution. But then actually, yeah, that's how they get through the wall. Save them at the end of the yeah, day, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah. like just little things like that, and you think, Well, normally in these silly films, they wouldn't try to be as clever as I have been. I mean the, Five minutes later, you are jumping a burning rope bridge onto a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 part of the course. Mm. But I think, like the Tomorrow War, where that was a film made before and then sold to Prime, uh, this was made and then sold to Netflix. These things seem to work out. So Mm. I think this is a lesson for everyone: just just make film silly films. And someone that will buy them, and they'll be successful. They don't have to be in the cinema anymore. Yeah, I would have. Would, hmm. I would have watched this anyway because of unlimited. But, and I probably, being me, I probably would have paid for it, and I would have enjoyed it. And but, you are right. It, it has got a, a perfect home on Netflix, and a lot of more people will see it this way than they would have done if it was in the cinema, just because of how how people react to things like this. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Completely. So. What is your what was your standout moment? Like having now seen the film a couple of days later, you can think about it. What's the moment when you think back and think, that that was the moment that got me? That was that's why I love this film is because of that. Dave, what what was yours?
2: I think there were two. It was just the two gags for me. There's the one gag about um, the, when the rock was wearing a hairnet, and Ryan Winnell says, "What are you wearing a hairnet for? You're bald." Um, <laughs> and there was that bit when they're at the ball, the ball, the Matador and then having the argument about, um, you know, standing still for the ball, and you realise it's because he's seen Jurassic Park. It's nothing to do with the are uh, I the immediately balls.
0: thought of you yeah. when that happened. <laughs> and just <laughs> that, real, like yeah,
2: that. <laughs> that realisation from Ryan Reynolds, he was like, oh yeah, it was Jurassic Park. Just yeah, that whole, the, that whole yeah. thing was great.
0: Yeah, the Jeff Goldblum line really yeah. tickled me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the action was fantastic. It tied into that Fast and Furious style. The bit where they've, as Stu just said, the rope bridge burns down, but they still manage to get out of there. The rocket launcher that's coming right at them and, and Dwayne just opens the yeah. door and just goes right through. It really tapped into that Fast and Furious style of nonsense that, that I really enjoy. So that, that was what got me hooked, I think, was that it, it went for the, the nods to the films that I love. So you got me perfectly, Stu. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already mentioned the scaffolding and that the the scene at the start, but it wasn't so much about. The, for a film like this, I think because of the ending, and then I started thinking back a bit, all the little bits. Like I just said about the pebble, and you had the bit in the um, in the prison where he's saying about they better not find out you're a cop and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Now you think what what is he doing and then you find out oh it's for the key card. Is it, it, again, very clever little clever little insight there, but it's so it's so much cleverer than it needs to be. And I, I like that about it because it could have easily just been stupid, completely stupid. And for the most part it is, and it's great. Yeah. But there's for a film like this to have any kind of level other than bang is <laughs> <it's> amazing. <laughs> and that's what I that's because you can't really say, oh, yeah, there's more to it than you think because it kind of ruins it then. So I've just been tell people, watch it, just watch it and enjoy it because that's all you can do. And then you
0: see for yourself. It was one of the rare instances, because I'd seen the trailer and stuff before, where I, I don't think the trailer told you anything about the film, but it did make me want to see it, which in the yeah. modern day, that's quite a rare feat. I mean, obviously only... Very, very recently, we've had the Spider-Man trailer, which seems to tell you a shitload of stuff and has spoiled several characters. I won't mention it, Stu, because I know you've not seen it. But there's been quite a few bits that have come out that's kind of spoiled it, and I I would rather have more films like this where it just gives you a glimpse of the world but doesn't tell you any story. I think it did a really good job of hooking people. So whoever created the trailer for this, I think did a tremendous job, personally. So, that's things we would liked. Was there anything that you would want to change? Anything that you think was poorly executed or anything that you just thought was a bit shit in general? Stu, anything on your list? Probably only Annie...
1: Gal Gadot, and that's what I'm going to call her. And I'm not going to good dot. Um yeah. Gal Gadot not really been in it that much. <laughs> I think she could have – well, we know what she's like, so I thought if she had a bit more screen time, obviously – in the in a, well, confirmed sequel, all but now um, that she'll be in it a lot more because of the, them being a trio now. But yeah, I, I just I wanted more of her. Well, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, that that's really only the thing I could think about because it didn't disappoint me in any way. I was, I mean, I had no, no I had no expectations at all other than it, thinking it's going to be fun. That's all I expected. I thought it's going to be fun, and I'm probably I'll see it a couple of times. That's it. But I really loved it. I loved it. So anyways, I think that is it. I wanted more, <laughs> more, more, more. It was too short.
0: Yeah. My criticism was the same. Like I thought Gal Gadot, when she was on screen, was fantastic. She was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was funny. You wanted to see more of her. And they sort of kept her at arm's length, which I, I think it worked because it made me want more. But it would be a criticism that we didn't get a better or more of a female presence Mm. in the film. I thought that the, I can't remember the the FBI agent who is chasing them. I can't remember her name. She was good as well, but I just wanted that little bit more screen time for her just to see a bit more of the, the character development there. I think they underserved the female characters in this movie, which hopefully in sequels we will get more of. And the other criticism, the CGI bull looked fucking dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awful bit of CGI. <laughs> Dave, what was your negative uh,
2: Yeah, I think, I think I'd go on the CGI bit. I think there was aspects of it was a bit right at the end, literally right at the end where they're in Paris just for the final shot and you could tell a lot of that was just CGI. Um, even the bits with the, um, the, the, the Jeep chase elements of that <laughs> were clearly CGI and it was a bit, Kind of poor, I mean, that was it. I mean, that that was it, really. I mean, you could you could argue maybe not the Indiana Jones esque final act, maybe have it with the egg be somewhere else and not go down for that. But I know, but I completely agree on the the, the Gal Gadot and the, the kind of the female roles in it because I think that the FBI agent she's in Umbrella Academy, I think she sure, is. Yeah, yeah. I just um, can't remember her name. And I, I, but I do have to say, I didn't think it was going to work when I saw it happen on screen, but actual Ed Sheeran's cameo. Was quite funny. Oh, yeah. The bit,
0: oh, I'd forgot about Ed Sheeran. The because bit when course, he's he cannot yeah. act. But the <laughs> bit when he's
2: the bit when he's flaming about being like, don't don't you know who I am? That shouldn't have worked for some reason. For me, it really worked. It made me laugh. Oh, I scrubbed that yeah.
0: out of my mind.
2: When it appeared <laughs> on screen, I thought, oh, what they're doing here? But it was just that 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 delivery of that line. I thought did work.
1: Yeah, but thinking about it, they could have linked. They could have said something like the net. Na- the the inspiration for Nazi gold was based on the the eggs in the first place. That would have made sense. Yeah. The the eggs could have been repurposed as evil or something like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, going back to Ed Sheeran's uh, appearance. (laughs) I I don't know what it is about him. Obviously, he's done this and he's been in Game of Thrones as well, hasn't he? And he's in like two of the worst moments in two things I really like. (laughs) He's so wooden. He's he's playing himself pretty much in both of them. Like he's playing Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones. Are there any appearances, cameos from musicians in any other films that you think are really good or really bad? Anything that just stands out? Off the top of my head, the first one that springs to mind is Alanis Morissette in Dogma when she plays God. I just think she's wonderful and quirky in that, like playing the the stereotype you would have of Alanis Morissette. I thought it was really good. Um, David Bowie in Zoolander is a popular one. Yes. I'm not a massive Zoolander fan, but I am a big fan of Bowie. Anything that springs to mind for you, gents? Either good or bad? You've probably put me on the spot
1: now. <laughs> like, you know, when you, you just get mind drained, you can't think of anything.
0: Well, are there any actors, any musicians who've turned actor who you think have done... Really well, good
1: jobs. Bon Jovi and U five seven
0: one weren't bad. That was surprisingly decent that was. Yeah, he's not know. a bad actor. I've seen him in a couple of things. Uh, mm. I am mean, really looking forward to seeing uh, Gagar in the House of Gucci in a yes, couple of weeks. Right? That does look. That great. looks fantastic. Um, no, I've mean, I, you... I,
2: gone to you. die another day. Madonna.
1: <laughs> 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 is it? Is it? But she's not played well. Is she playing a fencing instructor? I can't remember. It was so. Yeah,
2: it's something like that, isn't it? I think. Uh, No, I agree on Bowie and Zoolander, but I also think on the flip side, the worst one as well is in Zoolander Two, which I kind of forget about anyway. Susan Boyle in that as a cameo isn't very good.
0: Didn't know she. Well, I haven't seen Zoolander Two. Don't
2: don't don't need to see it, Andy. It's it's terrible. That's.
0: Susan Boyle is proper plumbing for depths yeah. as well, isn't it?
2: It was. I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of the first Zoolander, so that's why it was so disappointing when the second what what the second one was like. But like mm. David Bowie, I know it's not a film, but David Bowie in extras, yeah, is so
0: good. Yeah, in that, that, in that episode. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, just having a quick look. Blink 182 in the first American Pie. Now that was an unexpected cameo. You know when they're all watching the webcam of, um, Shannon Elizabeth's, ca- Elizabeth <laughs> Shannon's character, sorry, where she's stripping in Jim's apartment. Uh, okay. They're the band who is, uh, watching it. Um, Phil Collins in Hook. I had completely forgotten about that.
1: Phil <laughs> Collins in Voice City. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Flea in The Big Lebowski is one of the neo-Nazis. Kanye West in The Love Guru. I mean, that film is the absolute worst.
2: Oh, yeah, Flea is also in Back to the Future 2 and 3, isn't he, as well? Is he? He, he plays one of um, Marty's co workers in the second one. And then right at the end of the third okay. one, where they have, he's supposed to have the drag race and the, these people are teasing him at the end. The driver is
0: Flea. Oh, okay, I never realised yeah. that. Oh, brilliant. Oh, Alice Cooper in Wayne's World. No, yes. That, that's a good one. Yeah. Billy Idol in The Wedding Singer, that's a cracking film. As much as I hate Sandler, that film is fucking great. (laughs) Fantastic. Right, so at this point, obviously, we usually do the budget and box office and all that stuff, but it's a bit pointless in this case. So we know it's the most expensive film that Netflix has ever produced because they footed the bill when Universal pulled out. I haven't seen a reason as to why Universal have pulled out, though just seems a bit of an odd one because with those stars, you'd think it'd be pretty bankable. But I have found apparently that Netflix, in order to judge success, Scott Stuber, who is like one of their top dogs in Netflix, he said that for its big budget tentpole films, it needs to draw an audience of more than 70 million viewers in its first 28 days. So it'd be quite interesting to see in a month's time whether or not Netflix actually classed this as a success or not, if it does hit that 70 million mark. But so apparently it... the most watched original Netflix film is Chris Hemsworth's Extraction, which has got 99 million viewers. Mm. I've not seen that one. Have either of you two seen Extraction? Yeah, it's okay.
2: yeah, very good. I enjoyed it.
0: Okay, and I, think oh, I don't that, know that. Yeah, one.
2: they're make, They're currently making the second one at the minute. I've got a feeling, Andy, as well, that this figure. I've read some of the red notice has been deemed the most successful opening weekend, for a viewed film on Netflix, and I've yeah, got a I feeling. Saw... Yeah, I've got a feeling that number is 142 million views. Wow,
0: that's that's incredible. That's a hell of a number. I know that it's got two million um, on its box office, but obviously mm. it's had a very short release of yeah. maybe a couple of days. Um, but yeah, if it's hit that number, I mean, that's obviously paid for, everyone will have had another month on Netflix just to watch Red Notice by the sounds of
1: it. I mean, this is this is exactly how they get rid of it. They there are, what, 11, million, 11 billion pounds worth of serviceable debt they've got. <laughs> and it's just oh, like, geez. well, it, do, it really doesn't matter because you have things like this, and like you said, people have spent what, minimum seven, eight quid each Mm. for a month just to watch this film, you'll get people who don't cancel because that's how it works. Yeah. So it just tumbles down and down and down, and it gets paid off in 100 years. Who cares?
0: (laughs) So I've got the list here of the top 10 most expensive Netflix movies. So I'll say what the film is. I want you to tell me if it's good, it's bad, and if it's worth watching, Okay. (laughs) So, in 10th place, with an estimated budget of 90 million, is a film called Bright. This is the Will Smith and Joel Edgerton film um, by David Ayer. I haven't seen this one, but apparently Bright 2 is happening, and it'll be released in 22 or 23 at the earliest. Stu, have you seen Bright?
1: Yeah, because it, it was one of the first big one, yeah. big star Netflix films, um, and I, I watch it for that reason. It's... Again, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, when was that? About three, four years ago? Yeah. Something yeah, like
2: yeah. that? It's all about, like, it's, is it like an alternative world where they have fairies and pixies and magical creatures yeah. and stuff like that yeah. in, in, like, a normal human world?
0: A detective must work with an orc to find a powerful yeah, yeah. wand before evil creatures do. And that was another film that I remember getting an absolute kick in by the critics but it's obviously done decent numbers if they're doing a bright yeah. two.
1: It just shows they know fuck all. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's it's people who wank, like I said before, people who wank off over black and white nonsense. That's all they are.
0: <laughs> they, don't, they don't have fun. Uh, in ninth place is Army of the Dead. Obviously, we've yes. already done a, a podcast on that one. That was also an estimated 90 to 100 million dollars. Oh, they're doing a sequel. I mean, obviously, I know they've done Army of Thieves, which was released fairly recently, but um, P- Planet of the yeah. Dead is going to be the sequel to that one. I want something a little bit better, if I'm perfectly honest. I was a little bit underwhelmed, as we've discussed. Dave, I can't remember what your opinions were on that one. I think I said
2: it was fine. I think it was kind of like Red Notice aways It was... It was fun. It did what it needed to do. Whether you need a sequel to it, I think they obviously set up the idea of potentially being a sequel in the film. Mm. I mean, I enjoyed, I don't know if you've seen, I enjoyed Army of Thieves.
0: I think I enjoyed Army of Thieves more than I enjoyed Dead, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, It was quite a fun romp, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I really like that character. And I liked exploring that backstory mm. about how he became what he became and the whole idea of it being like a tournament and the heist. Yeah, I thought it was
0: good. Yeah. And I like Natalie Emmanuel. I think she's great. And Guz Khan, who I thought was really good. And I wanted more Guz Khan. Mm. And obviously for this podcast, there were several Nick Gage mentions, which is <laughs> always going to go <laughs> down <dead> well. <laughs> Stu, have you seen Army of Thieves
1: yet? No, not yet. It's It's on the list. I think I'm going to have to watch it before Fast 9 again, though, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... I can't remember. I mean, I, I, I think I enjoyed Army of the Dead, and I think we all said at the time that it's... Just having it in a different setting will be fine for the sequel, but if you're having that planet of, that seems a bit mm. too
0: much of a jump. A bit extra, yeah. Yeah,
1: too soon. So, But again, who knows? It could be one of the things where it leaps about, and it's that's at the end of that, and then the third one is... so who knows
0: in at eighth is the midnight sky at a estimated hundred million dollars a george clooney movie um uh, post-apocalyptic tale follows them yep. uh, a lonely scientist in the arctic i have not seen it i vaguely remember it because that was another film that got a bit of a kick in but have dave have you seen this one
2: yeah again it was okay i think it was trying to be a bit arty than it that it needs to be um mm. i think that the, there's a twist in it which i think you can kind of see coming halfway through it, it was fine it was okay-ish
1: mm. did you I mean, not I've... like it because it wasn't Snow snowpiercer maybe yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i have enjoyed george clooney as the director generally speaking so i mean that I'm amazed that one's passed me by, to be honest. Especially because Felicity Jones also in it. Mm. Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, hundred and ten oh. million dollars. Now this one, everyone I know who's seen it has said how good it was. Dave, I think you were the first person to talk to me about this movie.
2: Yeah, I think this is probably at the moment one my favourite film of the year so far. Still, it's just oh, wow. okay. it's incredible. I think it's got it's got the Lord. Is it Lord? Oh, what are they called? Chris Lord and or, and Phil. I'm going to say Phil Mitchell. It's not Phil Mitchell, isn't it? It's not the guy from Extenders. It's it's the two people who did make um, you know the, the Spider Verse film who produced it. Oh
0: right, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, Chris Lord and, and somebody else. But I think it's got all their animation tropes and humour and quick wit all over it, and it's absolutely fantastic.
0: I'm just looking at the cast at the minute: Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph. Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Fred Armisen, Chrissy Teigen, John Legend. Yeah, that's got a really good cast. Yeah. Stu, have you seen this one?
2: No, I'm just adding it to the list now. Oh, <sighs> honestly, if you're going to watch a film next, go watch that. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Brilliant. Uh, Triple Frontier at $115 million. Uh, this one is in conversation for the biggest Netflix flop, according to this article here. Um, it's a Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, and Charlie Hunnam movie. I do not know this film. Yeah, at Yeah,
1: I... <laughs> you know when I was t- saying about how hey, oh what, what was that really really terrible Bruce Willis film that I had to suffer through?
0: Oh shit! Yes, the what? Uh...
1: Another one with um, Megan Fox. The other one. It's it's on a par. <laughs> it look it, it looks better, mm. but it's not good. <laughs>
0: Uh, the one that was like, it was a 2.9, the, the yeah. release film. I can't even remember what it was, we did discuss it on this part. I can't find Out of Death, no, Midnight in the Switchgrass.
1: That was the biggest one. That that,
0: oh, Cosmic Scene. Cosmic, Cosmic scene. scene, yeah. That was the one. 2.5 on IMDB. It's really that bad. It's not that bad. It's
1: got that them kind of vibes about it though. Oh if, Christ! Okay. It's just a higher high budget version. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think I think it, it's from the trailer. It sets it up to be quite a good film, and then when you watch it, I think the last act it kind of just unravels a bit.
1: Hmm. Breaking. Uh, uh, well, it's not going to be news now when this goes out, but Andy, I've just seen the
0: Princess Switch threes on there. It's on there now. A three. Yeah. I you know I don't think I've seen 2 yet. I do need to get back on to the, the Star. Uh, I I, de- I I can't remember. I think I put it in the group that I watched uh, Love Hard the new Christmas film that's yeah. on Netflix. I really really enjoyed it. I, I I welled up a little bit at the end. It got me and I don't like Christmas films as we've discussed. <laughs> Really good. Dave, I think you should watch it. Shoot, yeah, I know you will watch it. <laughs> yeah, I know I will. Be. No, I've, heard story. Story. Yeah,
2: I've heard good things about Love Hard so far. So I think it will, it, when it gets around to Christmas time, it will be on the list.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up is The Outlaw King. $120 million. Um, I Again, this is another one that's complete. Pass me by. Chris Pine, Stephen Delane, who I do generally like and stuff. Either of you know this film?
1: Yeah, it's I've very, heard about um, it. Yeah, it's very on the kind of. <laughs> I was going to say if if Nicholas Cage was in it, cross with Game of Thrones, but we know where that turned out. It's <laughs> it's in that kind of let's get on the medieval train,
0: very much. Oh, okay, but it's it's again it's it's very all right. It sounds a bit braveheartish looking yeah. at the uh, synopsis on here. So there's, some,
1: the there's some decent scenes in it, but it's not... It's again, it's one of them. It's a perfect nec- Netflix film. Okay. Again, it's it's nothing special, but it's nothing. It's not terrible.
0: It wouldn't have found an audience in the real world. Oh, no, it would, have completely, it would yeah. have completely flopped. Mm, that makes sense. Six Underground is coming in at $150 million. I saw the first hour of that film and for whatever reason couldn't finish it. And then never bothered going back to finish it off. It's the Ryan Reynolds film from about a year ago. Have Mm. either of you two seen this all the way through? I don't have
2: ever seen seen it.
0: It was a bit pants, to be honest. It was Ryan Reynolds doing his Ryan Reynolds thing, which was fine. But it just wasn't a very interesting movie. So, yeah, I've still got to finish it off at some point. (laughs) And that was about a year ago I started watching that. Uh, Then we've got The Irishman. Which has got also got 150 million estimated budget. I love that film. I think that's probably the best Netflix film that's been done. I mean, we spoke on last week's podcast. I'm a big Scorsese fan, and it was perfect Scorsese fodder. Have either of you two seen The Irishman?
2: No, not myself. Is it about three hours long? Yeah, that's yeah. what... I think that's what's put. I think it's not. It's not a type of genre or film that I'm, I'm so inv- want to be invested mm. in that I'm I'm happy to sit there for three hours to watch it. <laughs> That's my only issue. So, but I'm sure you know from what I've heard, it is supposed to be really good. Yeah, that,
1: that, that was my. I know I literally said on Twitter today that if the film's good enough, it can be as long as it wants. But for a type of film like this, is th- it felt like three hours? Not in a bad way, because <laughs> it's, it's a, it is really good. It's paced it is, well, though, isn't a, it? It's a slog. If you I mean watch it as soon as you wake up in the morning, are <laughs> you fully awake? That's <laughs> what, that's all I'd say. Don't try starting that at like nine o'clock at night and then thinking that you're going to get through till midnight without yawning, because it's and you've got to kind of like Scorsese, like you said, Andy, because normal people wouldn't like this.
0: Yeah, I, I've spoke to a couple of people who aren't massively into gangster films or Scorsese, and they checked out in it. But as someone who loves Scorsese's Mm. work, this felt like, I mean, it was almost the same cast as Goodfellas, and it just felt like Goodfellas 30 years down the line, like they'd grown up and moved on. And that was the kind of film that I wanted, so it was perfect for me. It was a really good film. Obviously, it was Oscar-nominated and was up for everything there, so it did get some respect in the, the wider world, too. I think the runtime would have stopped it from being a major success at the cinema purely because it three hours now at the cinema isn't it's an event isn't it if mm. you go in there like the last the only film that i can think of that's done that would be end game yeah i can't think of another three hour film that's
2: well well technically eternals nearly tried to do that and oh, let's yeah. see what look what happened with that
0: <laughs> we'll we'll discuss that <laughs> on next week's pod yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and obviously then red notice comes in um but apparently the number one film, the most expensive film, is going to be coming out soon. Mm. And it's a film called The Grey Man. And this is a movie Job from... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this is a movie from the Russo brothers. Um, it's not been released yet. It'll tie red notice for the most expensive film. And it could even... Exceed that budget um, I don't think a lot is known about the movie At the, the current time But I am a fan of the Russo brothers Obviously me and Dave Both fans of uh, Community Which is where they sort of
2: yeah.
0: Honed their chops a little bit mm. And then went into the MCU And probably made one of the best, best. MCU films with yeah. um, the, the second Captain yeah, America Winter Soldier Yeah Winter Soldier. So and, I'm quite lucky, I'll, I'll watch that, Russo Brothers, that, and that's enough for me.
2: Well, uh, Russo Brothers produced that extraction film with Chris Hemsworth as well.
0: Oh, right, okay.
2: Yeah. So, so that's why another reason why it's worth to watch.
0: And looking at the cast, it's a Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans film. So yeah, that's, that's a solid enough cast for me to, uh, to be invested. And Billy Bob Thornton, who only seems to do either really shit or really fun films. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll I'll be there day one for that one. We may even do a podcast on it. Who knows? (laughs) So we'll do the aggregator scores on this one. Before I tell you, I want you to tell me what you think the scores will be for the critic and the fan responses. Out of 100 or out of 10, whatever you think best. Stu?
1: Well, you already said the critics don't like it, so I'm guessing around about 40s. I mean, audience... (laughs) Everyone I've spoke to who's seen it loves it, so I'm going like eighty
2: five. Uh, critically, I'm going to go for what about thirty percent? Audience wise, I'm going to say know about seventy five.
0: Okay, so on IMDb, it's got a six point five. It's got a very middle of the road score. Like I generally think most people when they they put an average down. Six is like the average score for a a middle-of-the-road film, and that's kind of what this has got. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it's probably got the biggest disparity between the two that I think of any film that we've looked at on this podcast. The critical score is 35, but the audience score is 91%.
2: Wow, (laughs) jeez.
0: I'm I'm really quite stunned at that one. And, And as Matt's pointed out previously, I think that's a case of... The different clientele that those two websites do. Yeah. And they're not the perfect way to aggregate a film. It's more of a yes no answer on Rotten Tomatoes and a score out of 10 on, on IMDb. But I'm still quite surprised at a 35 to 91 out of the two.
2: I, th- I think it probably just really shows that it's a film that knows what it is. It's mm. not trying to win any critical awards or make you think too much or trying to make you have you know highlight something going on in the world that needs to be highlighted. It is just, like she said, it's a silly film that is there just to be enjoyed, and that's probably why the ninety-one percent is there because people just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's popcorn fodder, isn't yeah. it? You can just sit there and work your way through a bag easily. Switch your brain off and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I had, I had two bags. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I found today some popcorn, and it is chocolate orange covered popcorn. Oh, hello. It was incredible. It was um, butter-kissed toffee popcorn, but with chocolate orange in there.
2: Oh, I'm looking out for that.
0: It is special. Get yourself on that. Uh, So, yeah, it's still very early days looking at the scores. So for Rotten Tomatoes, there's only based on 100-plus verified ratings, so I suspect in 12 months' time that probably won't be that high. Um, but obviously the critics have not been kind. Amy Nicholson from Film Week. The problem is that this movie is built on nothing but makes references to its influences. I think that's the critics' way of saying that it's all fart and napu. There's just no substance to it. Ruben Peralta from Cockelecas. Only benefits slightly from Reynolds' ingenious humor. Uh, I, I don't think Ryan Reynolds was the best thing in this film. Personally, I I thought The Rock held it all together. Ryan Reynolds was fine, but it's The Rock's film. Mm.
2: I actually probably felt that Gal Gadot was the best scene in the film. I think in her Mm. appearances, she was still the standout. Whereas at times, although Ryan's humor was really good, I kind of felt like I like I mentioned before. I just felt like sometimes it was. Generic, rock, Ryan Reynolds character.
0: Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Eddie Harrison from Film Authority said that it's not that Red Notice is done badly. It's just so vanilla that it leaves no taste whatsoever.
2: Jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 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 like a really high bro kicking, isn't it? That. <laughs> uh, There are some good, some positive reviews, though. Kevin Carr from Fat Guys at the Movies. Every single complaint you're going to have is absolutely 100% true. But I had a fun time, and in this day and age, it's nice just to be able to watch a movie and enjoy it. And I think that's perfect, really. Like, everything you think is going to be shit. Yeah, it is shit, but it's really fun shit as well. (laughs) (laughs) Wade Major, also from Film Week. I liked it in spite of myself. The chemistry between the three stars is amazing. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And finally, Dan Murrell from Dan Murrell Reviews. Ocean's Eleven meets National Treasure. Not one of my favourite movies of the year, but I enjoyed it. And yeah, I I couldn't... The positive reviews there, they summed my feelings towards this film pretty perfectly, really. Obviously, we've all said that we've enjoyed this movie. The other question that we usually ask: Who would you replace in this film with Nicholas <laughs> Cage? <laughs> Stu, who um, would who would benefit from a Cagean performance here? Oh,
1: the guy, the Russia guy.
0: Just oh, as a vote uh, yeah, he would yeah, ham that up to fuck, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, <laughs> he'd completely steal the, steal the show. And, and it would be a tiny little cameo, so we wouldn't we couldn't do it. Podcast study, But yeah, you can quite easily see him doing something like that with a massive wig.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Dave, who would uh, you put put in place of Nick um, Cage?
2: I kind of feel like I'm going to commit some kind of blasphemy here, but I would actually swap The Rock with Nick Cage. I'd have him <laughs> in his role and I'd like to see him play, have Nick Cage and Ryan Reynolds kind of have that um chemistry between each other. I would be interested to see how that would work.
1: We, I, we, need I, to start, we need to start a petition there to get him in the sequel.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. As a villain? He'd be brilliant, wouldn't he? But, I mean, to be honest, I think you could put Nick Cage in any of those three main roles and he would be absolutely phenomenal. He would have the time of his life playing any of those three characters. He would be brilliant. In fact, I just want to film that he's three Nicolas Cages. It'd just be perfect.
1: Face off, off. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's it.
0: (laughs) But imagine if they'd done it and got rid of Reynolds and uh, The Rock and put in Nicolas Cage and John Travolta.
2: Oh, geez, imagine.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. That's definitely what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) So, finally, complete the sentence. If you enjoyed Red Notice, you may also like. Dave, start us off.
2: Uh, this is what I mentioned before, and I feel like I'm going to take Stu's words out of his mouth here. National Treasure. It just <laughs> felt like I was... Funny enough, the, the last few days after I watched Red Notice, I've rewatched randomly, completely randomly, Um, well, bo- yeah, both of the National Treasures. And I was watching the first one, and I just thought, this just feels like a light Red Notice, this does. <laughs> and also made me appreciate how good that first National Treasure film is. It's a really, really good film. Um, But yeah. National Treasure. If you want that red notice but tiny bit lighter, tiny bit uh, more Disney fied, go watch that.
0: Uh we that was our second ever podcast it was on um National Treasure, so check it out in the in the archives. Stu, what are you recommending?
1: <laughs> well that was obviously the answer, but <laughs> I'd say just just wait a bit and go and watch Uncharted when that comes out because that's got very much the same yeah, yeah, vibes yeah, yeah. as
2: this. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, My answer, it's completely a a left turn compared to this film. Hot off the presses that I have seen today, my recommendation, if you enjoyed this, go and see Ghostbusters Afterlife. The reason I'm comparing the two, they are both just really joyous, happy experiences. I saw the film today, and honestly, I I couldn't tell you the last time I sat through a film just with a big fuck-off grin on my face throughout the whole movie. I just loved every minute of it. I was so happy and felt contented watching it. That, yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I think, would be a really good movie if you just want something to feel good about. Because that's what this film did for me. It made me feel good yeah. and Ghostbusters made me feel good. So that's my recommendation.
2: I'm very glad you said that. I think I'm seeing it in the next week. So I'm very glad to hear that review.
0: Yeah, it was, it was wonderful, Dave. You will, you will love it really think you will, yeah. I haven't seen any reviews yet, so I'm... <laughs> but I stand by my review of it. I think it's fantastic film. So that's us done for this week. We will be back next week with a question cast. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to be looking at the Disney Plus day that went on, um, but we'll be back then. So please make sure that you're subscribed on whatever it is that you're listening to us on. And make sure you've got us on the Twitter at cagefightingpart. And if you've got any emails, send them to cagefightingpart at gmail.com. So for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
1: I'm a cheering bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dave, would you like to say goodbye? Oh, it was Jurassic Park. (laughs) 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 It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. (laughs) We'll be right back. <laughs> back.